Hello and welcome to Anchor.net Education News. On this week's show, more calls to remove sacramental preparation from schools, surprise, surprise, standardised testing causes stress, and the principal who encouraged his parish to vote Fianna Fáil in the local elections. These and some more stories coming up over the next 20 minutes or so. Remember, you can tune into our main podcast, If I Were the Minister for Education, which is out every Wednesday morning. Uh, the podcast takes one aspect of the primary education system and explores why it isn't working and suggests that if I were the Minister for Education, what I would do to change it. Please do consider subscribing to this podcast on whatever platform you use and feel free to comment and review the podcast so others can find it. Our first story is um, an article from RTE. It was a great article about why teachers are going abroad, uh, specifically focusing on the Middle East, uh, as Joe McHugh, the Minister for Education, plans his big trip uh, over to the United Arab Emirates um, to try and convince teachers to pull on the green jersey and come back home. Now, RTE uh, spoke uh, to teachers. They didn't uh, get the government jet over uh, but they um, spoke to teachers and they talked about the high rent that's in Dublin and they can't afford to save for a house um, and they said in the United Arab Emirates they're saving up to two grand a month they're getting free accommodation they're getting free flights home to visit they're really really saying like there's, there's actually no point in coming home because I mean one reason I suppose which is interesting uh, and, and I suppose I might not have thought of this myself was because the service they're doing over there isn't actually recognised um, over here. So, for example, there's a teacher over there with over 20 years experience. And when she comes home, the 20 years are as if they never happened on the pay scale. So I'm talking about our, we talked about the pay scale last week. Um, and um, basically, she would start on the very beginning of the pay scale. So she's effectively being punished for going abroad. Um, and uh, that, I suppose, seems to be a very, very good reason not to come home. So if you're trying to bring them home, that might be an incentive. Um, they don't want to I suppose a lot of them said they didn't want to go but they have no other options if they're going to think of their future especially young teachers who might want to um, buy a house or um, have a car or, or generally have day to day uh, living uh, at, a, at a reasonable uh, cost particularly if they want to live in, um, in, in a city like Dublin I think that seemed to be a bit of a theme um, but uh, also anywhere else in Ireland it is, it is more expensive to live here uh, some of the quotes that, that I thought came out uh, which were quite good uh, teachers find it insulting that taxpayers money is f- funding this trip pre-elections to ask questions that teachers and their unions have already been exhaustively clear on giving answers to and I think that's an extremely fair thing for someone to say everybody knows why they're the, the out there in uh, the Middle East you'll have all those dissenters out there claiming that they're out there on their having their holidays and it's kind of like the trip abroad for a year or two but you look at these um these these aren't kids like these aren't people in their you know early 20s just having a big piss up I mean I don't think I, don't, I think it's pretty hard to have a uh, do that um in um, in Dubai I don't think it's easy enough to, uh, easy to come by alcohol but uh, that aside these are people in their 30s these are people who are settled in relationships these are um, people who are trying to get home they would like to be near their families um another quote there everybody's actually laughing about the minister for education going out there to persuade people to come back come back to what and that's the question what what would teachers come back to there probably are a few jobs around um there is a teacher shortage absolutely in ireland but the pay pay equality is is still not 
it still doesn't still doesn't exist. I mean, you're you're already you're being you're being penalised for going abroad. Even if uh, you you come home, you're going to be on a lower pay rate than the rest of your um than than than, than your colleagues that you're coming back to. You're on a low pay lower pay rate anyway. Um, because you've been basically you're back to the start. There's no reason to come home. Basically, the research is already done. Um, the uh, RT said more than eighty percent of uh, people they asked said they wanted to come home. Um, most within the next uh, year, up to three years. And they were asked what uh, factors would motivate the return. And the top three responses were they wanted a permanent full-time teaching post. They're actually not that easy to come by. They need improved salaries, which is fair enough. And the financial ability to secure a mortgage. They are the reasons. That's all Joe McHugh needs to know. Him going over and, you know, to his alma mater, I think he worked in the UAE himself um, and having a few pints and telling people come on back uh, to Ireland isn't going to do it tell them I'm going to give you your pay equality I'm going to make sure that there are permanent full-time posts out there and I'm going to make sure they're out there I'm not going to add these I mean all he did was he added 15 uh, supply panel jobs uh, at his at his speech when he didn't he could have he could have added 115 um, and again um well, I don't think he has the ability to help them supply a mortgage, but he certainly um, can bring back that message that uh, that this is another reason why. We'll move on. Um, more calls, uh, anyway, are down to remove sacramental preparation from schools. A uh, couple of articles tail ending the madness of communion season, which I think is ending around now uh, um, as I'm recording it. This seems to, I think this is the last Sunday in, in May, so May seems to be the, the time of the year where this is all happening. Uh, Peter Gunning, uh, my, my, my friend, uh, had a, uh, another article in the Irish Times um, entitled It's Time to Take Preparation for Communion Confirmation Out of the School Day, which is, you know, pretty much says it as it should be and he's but he starts off with a really bold statement a really naughty statement pretty sacrilegious uh statement when it comes to discussing the patronage of primary schools and he says the catholic church often acts like the bully in the yard who owns the football picks the teams and insists on refereeing and he calls the whole thing a pantomime he's mixed his metaphors here but i don't care it's a great uh it's a great uh, article the place of religious education and the curriculum tops the list of conversations to be had that's his opinion he is a former catholic school principal um and he believes the place of religious education has to be top of the list of conversations we had now if you talk to primary school principals now i don't think they'd share they'd share that view but uh, I would. Uh, I totally agree with him. He said, uh, as he, as a principal of a Catholic primary school for nearly twenty years, he was never organi- He was never asked to organise a christening, for example. And this is something that parents do without the involvement of their local primary school. He said it's not difficult. It's usually a phone call to a priest to arrange a date, and that starts the ball rolling. Um, he goes on to say that after that, there's godparents, a name, a shawl, cucumber sandwiches. I don't know about those. And the post-sacramental coming together of family and friends. All that happens with the local primary school principal blissfully unaware of a newly baptized baby. Unless he's looking for numbers, I would suggest. The same logic of parental control could easily be applied to two school-led sacraments of communion and confirmation. This is uh, Peter Gunning. Uh, for example, after the child's eighth birthday, he or she could be brought to a weekend mass to receive their first Holy Communion. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly how it should be. There's no reason for it to be a school event. Um, there's nothing else, um, no other religion that I know of, uh, that, that has the same uh, sort of um, affair. Uh, I was raised uh, in, a Jewish, uh, in the Jewish tradition and when it came to my bar mitzvah, it wasn't a school event. I did that on the week of my 13th birthday. And, um, you know, I went to private lessons after school. I didn't get taught my bar mitzvah stuff in school. Um, 
I, I, I assume it's the same for other uh, faith traditions. Um, it just seems to be this thing. And I think, as I said, this year, I think all the religion was taken out of it uh, by the public. And if I was the uh, Catholic Church at the moment, I think now is time to pull out uh, while you still have some level of dignity. Anyway, we'll move on away from that. Surprise, surprise, standardised testing causes stress. Well, what do you know? It was the front page of the Irish Times uh, during the week. And as I said, uh, I said in 2011, when we were first told that we had to report test results to the government, this was Rory Quinn's uh, literacy and numeracy plan, numeracy plan. I remember seeing this rule going, schools will have to provide their test results from second, fourth and sixth class, that basically we were sleepwalking our way into league tables. I totally stand over this eight years later. And now, according to this article, most teachers said they've felt pressure from within themselves um, or from parents um, basically to improve their pupil standardised test scores. I mean, I, to, to be honest, I don't know. We're our own worst enemies sometimes. Why, why do we feel this pressure? Why do we allow, like, parents and uh, to, 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 to make, you know, to demand we have test scores higher? It reminds me of, I think it was Michael Gove who was the uh, British um, Minister for Education at the time uh, where he's I think it was him anyway and he was basically he was talking about standardised tests and he wanted everybody in the UK to be above average think about it um, but I mean like this is this is this is why standardised testing doesn't work and we're creeping our way into a UK style situation where we're trying to um, improve standardised test scores which actually fly in the face of good teaching um, they fly in the face of everything we're trained to do. I mean, we, we how have we gotten to a stage where we're actually trying to um, assure our own successes are based on the score of, of this silly test, which is actually had no, which you can't, which doesn't, which is so separate from what we, um, what we do in a day-to-day basis. I mean, I'll tell you what the classroom looks like during a test. It's it's basically it's like it's almost like you 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 take your classroom, which is a lovely um room with groups of tables, um, and the children work together. You take that apart and you put the children back into rows. I mean, this this happens um in in almost every classroom I've ever seen it, and and, and the, including my own when I was doing it. I had to I could transform myself from being this, I suppose, what I would consider a decent teacher, um, who used reasonably modern um, uh, modern te- uh, um, methodologies in my teaching to become this weird version of this traditional teacher I actually found myself speaking the language of, of the traditional teacher no talking and, and, and kind of um, don't be looking at that no question being cross the children um, for, for very, relatively little um, and, and while these children were doing these paper based uh, booklets which were intimidating enough and kind of, um, I don't know, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't the way a classroom is in the 21st century. Um, so it's really, the results of them had no effect um, on their learning. All it did, I suppose, if it did anything, it may have given me a slight indication of where a child might be at. Um, a kind of a snapshot of where they might be at uh, at the end of the year. One piece of evidence, um, but with uh, a with a load of other evidence that I, I, I would have been gathered in my assessments. Uh, this would have been the one that I, I, I guess um, might have been, uh, might have given you a little bit about reading or or a little bit about numeracy. Uh, but nothing, um, nothing I, I would believe uh, would be groundbreaking. 
so why why have we done this i i suppose i i need to ask that question and the reason i believe is kind of rooted and i go back to this all the time is that schools compete with each other for enrollments this this is the you don't go to your nearest school necessarily there is choice i'm it's i i find it weird because i'm i'm i i choose i when it comes to most things in life choice is good choice every you're told choice is good when it comes to schools i don't think choice is actually the most uh, is good at all um but because what it does is it creates competition um between schools which is not actually particularly healthy in this particular case but if a school up the road seems to be getting these stems that's a score out of 10 that's a scientific word for it stems of seven and we're only at fives in my school we have to perceive then we perceive that we need to up our game because all the parents will find out that the school up the road are getting stems of seven and they'll send all their kids to the sten seven school and they're probably fearing the sten seven school is probably fearing the sten eight school and like basically we can expect if we carry on this way we can expect league tables to start emerging um, very quickly as we continue to enable this sort of nonsense now well, like, well I think some of this has been rooted in the fact that we ha- now have to supply um, as well it's rooted in the fact that part of that plan in 2011 we have to provide our standardised test scores uh, to parents in the end of year reports now we I, I, as far as I know I, I, I think I did this before 2011 anyway and no one put too much notice on it but I, I pretty much think that we've put the pressure on ourselves this time because we're passing it on to the government and we are getting resources based on those scores. I don't think it is much to do with providing the results to parents as much as maybe we think it might be. Um, Our representative bodies, of course, should have stopped this in 2011 when Murray Quinn um, announced it, uh, but as usual, they didn't. Well, moving on to the principal who encouraged his parish to vote Fianna Fáil. I love uh, this article. It's uh, it's I, I found it quite funny. I, I, I'm looking at the comments on our Facebook page. Uh, I think most people didn't find it as funny as I did. Uh, the head, uh, I, I'm also just for the record, I have uh, I've never voted for someone in Fianna Fáil. Um, I, I'm and um, I'm, I'm kind of apolitical, really. I'm really interested in politics, but um, I certainly um, I suppose I, I, I've had to sit through or work through uh, Fianna Fáil's um, politics, I guess, uh, of, for the last decade or so. Um, but anyway, the headline of this principle defends sending a letter to parents praising Fianna Fáil. Uh, does Paddy Judge, who's the principal from a Cathar school, he doesn't do him any favours, uh, this to that headline, because, um, but if you read the article further, you can actually see his rationale. He actually comes out and he says, look, I'm not political, um, you know, you know, and basically he's basically saying, look, the only counsellors, counsellors that did anything for the school were Fianna Fáil reps. Um, and basically all I'm doing is saying that's that's kind of the story. As you went, just remember that these are the only people that did anything for our school. Now, as far as I know, and I from talking to uh, people, Fianna Fáil are very good at the grassroots stuff. They come into the schools, they do what they do, what they have to, they do what they have to do to get the grassroots vo- uh, uh, votes. But anyway, um, it it does open up an argument about how we get things done in this country. Why? I just don't understand why we don't get things without having to ring local politicians to get them done. Like if your school is broken or there's something wrong with your school. It should be the Department of Education that sorts it out, your, you know, or eventually, I mean, or your board or whatever. I mean, it's not fair to say your board, but certainly the, the not local politicians. I mean, something wrong. It should be fixed. Um, I mean, in my my particular uh, context, I um I have a, a lovely school in um in Carlow Town, but when they were building the school, they 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 somehow didn't think that. It's it's off a main, it's on a main road, right? So you can't park outside the school. So the only way um of 
of parking, the only parking spaces within a kilometer um, circum, uh, sorry, radius is um, is a kilometer away. So basically, we have to fit 480 pupils, families, um, and transport them uh, using 44 parking spaces. Now, I mean, I don't know. That 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 doesn't make sense, obviously. But what I've had to do is contact loads of politicians over the last five years, not like the people that you know would have been responsible for building the school like the uh, the, the town council and um and so on or the the architects and department of education i mean i did that i did all that too but it seems to come down to local politicians who are doing these sort of things and one effect of that was for whatever reason um we got a footpath from a roundabout to the school a kilometer long um footpath and and basically this is built by the council. It was one of the suggestions we had because there was no footpath to the school either. So you couldn't even cycle or walk that kilometre from the roundabout um, if you lived in town. Um, but I went into, I was teaching principal at the time. So I used to go in on a Sunday into school to do a, a lot of catch up with my admin work. And um, basically I, I arrived there and I was opening the gates and a town councillor, a politician town councillor, pulled in and told me they got that footpath for me. I, I don't know. I, I find it I find it astonishing why these sort of things happen. We shouldn't have to be contacting TDs or counsellors for basic things in school. If my sewerage is broken, the Department of Education should have something in place. I shouldn't have to have a million meetings with a TD to do that. Anyway, I'm uh, going on about uh, that sort of stuff and uh, we, might, we might, might brush on the local elections uh, towards the end of this podcast episode. Now, uh, moving away from that and moving on to... Uh, uh, special educational needs and an interesting case that has come to the High Court. Uh, why, and to, to sort of misquote George Orwell, why some special needs are more special than others. Um, a family has gone to the High Court to challenge the Minister for Education's refusal to allow a young child with complex educational needs to attend school during the summer holidays. Now, for those of you who don't know, there is a, you if you want to have an extra month of school, in July, there's a system called July Provision. It's only available for children with a diagnosis of autism and a diagnosis of severe profound needs. OK, so they and if you want to do it in school, schools have to have these classes. Um, so this is um, this is where this family come into the, the picture because their child, although they have complex educational needs, they don't. The needs aren't autism related or severe profound needs. Basically what it is, it's making some people more equal than others, pretty much a la Animal Farm. And this is a constant in primary education. We have to remember a number of years ago, just before the resource hours are all changed uh, into set hours, that there was years of battling from uh, families with children with Down syndrome trying to get resource hours. Children with Down syndrome were not entitled to any resource hours. There was this, um, it kind of, actually it's f- funny uh, where we, when you get you get used to certain systems um, so quickly, but back in the olden days, as in three or four years ago, um, if you had a particular diagnosis, you had a certain number of uh, um, resource hours per week at, um, that correlated with that, no matter how severe that, that, that diagnosis was. So children with autism got five hours a week children with speech and language deficits got two to two and a half or three hours a week children with down syndrome got nothing and just before um they changed the whole system uh finally uh children with down syndrome were were um given i think it was three three and a half hours uh per week um so that uh was um 
So I mean, that was a battle uh, that they shouldn't have, that nobody should have. Every family with additional needs needs supports, not just the one with the best lobby groups or celebrity endorsements. Should I, uh, I don't know, uh, should I add? Basically, I just want to say I totally support this family and any other family that would go through go go through. It is absolutely appalling that just because um your child. Uh, who may have additional needs doesn't tick a particular box shouldn't get the same supports as other families it does goes against to, uh, goes against absolutely everything uh, that we hold dear about equality in this country and i suppose equality and education i guess are not a given we have to keep remembering that one of the headlines i think headlines are crazy uh, headlines are mad and this is one vegan food to be offered to children it was the headline uh, it's part of the school meals program like i, I don't know <laughs> It's it's a mad headline. Uh, this is a, the story about uh, a pilot program from the Department of Education where they're going to be trying to pilot, pilot giving hot meals to children. 36 schools are going to pilot this um, and basically um, they will have to provide um, hot food to children and they will have to provide two separate options, one of which would need to be vegetarian or vegan. So, you know, and the other one isn't. So basically the headline should be hot food to be offered to children, you know, it's not like we're forcing it it makes it sound like we're 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 forcing vegan ideology on children or something i know that's not a thing i'm just kind of making it up but they make it sound like it's some sort of political movement that we're all going to turn our turn our children into you know beef hating um i don't know <laughs> clones of each other or something I, I i find it really weird anyway the scheme itself is um i i'm involved in the lunch uh the, uh the school meals program in my own school money only covers the food by the way money doesn't cover staff or kitchen equipment cleaning up uh like every other country does so i mean if you are interested in this project uh or this pilot just keep in mind that your the money's only for food everything else is going to be your own uh problem and give, given that um the capitation grant is still hasn't uh, moved very much in the last while it's a it's a bit um it's a bit of a, a misnomer that it's um that it's going to be fully funded um the the food that's offered um as i said is going to be um I suppose simple meals. They, I've seen the, uh, some of the samples that the pilots are offering. It's it's all kind of the stuff you get at a wedding or a party, you know, um, kind of chicken curries or lasagnas or things like that. Um, do you know, I I if I I guess like this whole thing about then offering vegan food, uh, whatever that will whatever that will look like. I mean, if they thought hard hard enough, they like this newspaper instead of saying vegan food to be offered to children, they could have really annoyed everyone and said halal food to be offered to children, which I presume it will. Um, but anyway, they uh, missed a trick there maybe in their in their um in their headlines. Maybe the journal had that headline. I don't know. Anyway, another newspaper thinking our wages are too high. Um, yes, uh, there's been a series of career guidance articles uh, for people doing their leaving cert, and one of the headlines is why teaching teaching have the highest salaries um starting salary that's from the irish times now i mean it's i i don't know i mean i i 36 000 euro is is a, is is the starting salary for a primary school teacher and it is in fairness a good starting salary but it doesn't get much better than 36 000 euro like that quickly there's 27 points on the pay scale at this stage um so if you're going to go into primary school teaching for the highest salary you're going to be really disappointed um, not to mention really stressed, overworked, wrecked. Like being a primary school, let me put it this way. Okay, so if you are thinking, right, I want 36,000 euro. Okay, gosh, wow. If I started in, um, I don't know, Google, I, I'll get 51,000. But they, they work very long hours and they don't get big holidays. All that kind of stuff, you know. But 36 grand, that's better than most other jobs that you start in the, in, in the 20s. Being a primary school teacher, right, 
is like being an actor. Okay, this is how I this is how I perceive the job. You're on stage for over five hours every day, and half your audience don't even want to be there. However, you know you're not just acting. You also have to write all your own scripts. You have to make sure the audience are all engaged, even if they don't want to be there. You also have to provide security in the classroom to make sure they're all safe, um, and even when they aren't. And it's probably uh, right to say that a lot of the audience, uh, a lot of your audience, aren't going to be fully engaged all the time, and will be messing, and will be chatting, and will not be listening, will be annoying everybody else. And you, it will be your job, even though you're up on the stage, to make sure that that doesn't happen. So, I mean, what I'm saying is, it's probably more lucrative to become an actor. Um, uh, not a teacher, an actor. Because if you break Hollywood, you'd make more money in one movie than you would in an entire career as a primary school teacher. Now seriously, there is also a vocational aspect to our job. You really actually have to like working with children. And, and uh, it's funny, you know, you get a lot of people give out about teachers and then you ask them, would you want to be, would, well, why don't you become one? Oh, I wouldn't want to be stood in front of all those children. I don't know how you deal with all those children. Well, it's a very long day if you don't like children. It's intense. It's crazy. It's actually horrible at times. Expectations are impossibly high. It is unforgiving. And everybody outside of your job thinks you are only a glorified babysitter and you only work half days and you get way too many holidays. John. I love it. I still absolutely love it. Finally, I was hoping to give some news about the European elections and Sheila Noonan's progress in the um, Ireland constituency south, but that's going to have to wait until next week. Um, I have seen the exit polls and they have uh, they do suggest that she doesn't really have what I feel I need to call a clear pathway to getting elected and it looks like she might be available for subbing soon enough. Uh, we definitely could do with her given the crisis of subs. However, Maybe like everybody else, she'll probably head off to Dubai because I hear they pay decent wages over there. I hope you enjoyed this week's news podcast and be sure to tune in to our main podcast, If I Were the Minister for Education, which is out every Wednesday morning, just in time for your midweek slump. It should get your blood boiling whether you agree with my opinions or not. Uh, this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify or any other podcasting app by searching for either onshot.net or If I Were the Minister for Education. I'd really, really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast so each new episode will be available to you immediately after its release. Please also feel free free to review the podcast so others can find it more easily uh, we'll be back again next week with some more news be sure to tune in on wednesday for the main podcast thanks a million and we'll see you next week bye bye